I want you to meet a very good friend of this church. Um, Isla Tassi is going to be our guest speaker tonight. I first met Isla over tea in Nairobi, Kenya several years ago. We found out later that neither, neither one of us cares for tea all that much. We'd rather have coffee, but we were polite and enjoyed the time very much. Uh, our teams from Gospel Unleashed have worked with Isla's leaders. Uh, you're going to be in store for a treat tonight. This is one of the remarkable ministries in the world that's taking place today. Isla is the director and founder of Lifeway Missions. It is a group of indigenous African church planters and leaders that go to the hardest places on earth. I, I, we talked about this. Why do you do these things? Uh, we have the easy lot here. You realize that in Greeley. Uh, these men and women are in places of great uh, risk because they love Christ. And it's a great movement that is taking place. And you're going to be hearing a little bit about that in Isla's story tonight. So let's give a Christ community welcome, please, to Isla Tassi. Jambo. How many of you know Kenyan greeting Jambo? There's some few East Africans here. Jambo? Jambo Sana. Thank you so much. Um, I'm glad to be here. Um, I want to thank the Lord for giving me this opportunity to visit with this church. This is my third time to be in Greeley. Remember last year coming through uh, Greeley, going to California to speak in a mission conference. But before that, I went through this city. Um, we were coming from uh, uh, Lexington, Nebraska. I had a week-long training for the Somalis who are living in that city. And so somebody drove us through this place. And uh, I didn't know anybody here. We stopped in a house. I can't remember which house in this city. But uh, <clears throat> I want to thank God because... God has his own ways of bringing me back to this place. So I want to thank God for Steve, the pastor, and the leadership of this church, and uh, so many others who are with us in Kenya, praying for us. I want to say thank you so much. Again, I want to invite you on behalf of our team to come to Kenya where God lives. And so if you want to visit God, then you should be coming to Kenya. <laughs> That's where God lives. Um... Let me say a little bit about myself and then share. Tonight I want to share stories about what God is doing. Uh, when we were having conversation with Steve, and uh, I told him that I would love to come back to Greeley. There's so many things I want to learn from this church. And uh, I didn't know that that will, will happen, but uh, I want to thank God that it did happen. So I'm here tonight. But the stories of what God is doing in our ministry, in, our, in my own life, in the region of East and Horn of Africa, um, is not really what we ourselves did. We've seen God really working. I was born in southern Ethiopia. My, my, my families are from Ethiopia. And then they moved into northern Kenya, early 70s, when... Uh, the communist regime took over the country. And uh, in, the, in, the, in the history of our family, 
None of us has ever been Christians. Uh, my family is a Muslim family. I was brought up in a mosque. I went to the madrasa. I did five times prayer a day. I fasted the month of Ramadan. Um, uh, in, in my family, there are strict Muslims. And so in northern Kenya where I grew up, I didn't find Christians. I grew up knowing that my goal as a Muslim was to defend the religion of Allah, the prophet of Allah, and the holy book of Allah. And uh, by the time I was going to high school, I, have already, I was already been recruited into the extremist group to defend the religion. My dad's prayer and plan, together with the imam of the mosque, was for me to become the next, the next imam of the, of the town. But I want to thank God tonight that God has a different plans. He has planned for all of us, even if we don't know. And, uh, and so, um, in northern Kenya, things started changing. Early years of my life, I, as I kept on going to the mosque five times a day, I kept on asking myself questions. Because I had such a passion for God, I really wanted to know who Allah was. And uh, in that kind of dilemma, I went to the mosque and I asked my, the imam if he could tell me who Allah was. Obviously, the word, the only answer he had for me was, Inshallah, which means Allah knows. Um, to make the story short, um, when I went to high school, I met a teacher. It was a Muslim school, the last town on Kenyan border, bordering the, the town bordering with Ethiopia, the town called Moyale. There was an outbreak of malaria in the whole town. I was one of the students who was affected. Then I was admitted in the hospital. I was so much desperate in that ward. I was dying because they di diagnosed me with cerebral malaria and uh, I was almost dying. I saw a few students in, in the hospital dying and the people, the imam would, people would call in the imam to say some verses in the Quran so that while they are reciting, if they die, then they will go to paradise. Since I was coming from a different town, no one came to, to the bed at least to help me recite the verses. And so I was helplessly laying on my bed waiting to die. So in that kind of uh, you know, crossroad of life, the only teacher in my high school who was a member of Christ uh, Campus, Campus Crusade came to, to the hospital and uh, he challenged me with a question. He asked me, Ibrahim Ali, which used to be my Muslim name, and he asked me, if you die today, where will you go? Of course, I knew this teacher was a Muslim, so I told him that it's Allah knows, but I don't want to hear anything from you. But for the first time in my life, I had a message, he told me that your sins can be forgiven and for sure you can go to heaven. For the first time in my life, I heard that sins can be forgiven. All the rest of my life, I've never heard about that. Since I didn't want to, to hear anything about Christianity, I told the teacher, 
Yes, I want my sins to be forgiven, but I don't want to be a Christian. And he said, your sins can't be forgiven without you being a Christian. It made some sense to me because if, I can, if my sins can be forgiven and I'm not going to become a Christian, then that would make a sense. I want to go to heaven. I want my sins to be forgiven, but I don't want to be a Christian. Because in my community, if they find out that you are a Christian or even you listened to a Christian, then they will, you will die. So those will stop me from even listening to him. Sorry to him. And then that night, after the teacher left, something is like a bell ringing in my mind. Your sins can be forgiven. And I desperately needed my sins to be forgiven. And so I, I, I kept, you know, waiting if this teacher would come back. He came back, lucky enough, after three days. And he confronted me with the same question. This time he came with a piece of bread and a milk. And I haven't had food for so many days. I was growing weaker and weaker because the, the school believed that I was going to die. The doctors also told the school about that. And so the teacher gave me the milk. And this time I said, yes, I want my sins to be forgiven, but I don't want to be a Christian. He prayed with me. The Lord forgave my sins. I didn't die in the hospital. After two weeks, the symptoms went away. I was discharged from the hospital. I went back to school. He discipled me for three months underground. I went back to my town. Nine months again, I spent in the mosque before my family found out that I was a believer. I was kicked out of my family for eight years. That is when the Lord called me. What I'm going to share with you is about this journey. When God called me, I really didn't want God to send me back to the Muslim world. Because why would God call me? That's the question I had. I actually struggled. And uh, I remember that very day. I had a different agenda for my life. I actually, uh, you know, God spoke to me with visions and dreams. It was clear. I remember praying in a forest where I was being discipled. And I told God today, we're going to have an appointment. And I have a serious thing to talk with you. But you should tell me which kind of direction that you want me to take. And so while I was praying, God gave me a vision. And the vision that the Lord showed me was a vision of a desert in northern Kenya. It was like watching a video. And I would sit there praying, and God brought the vision in front of me and showed me the desert in northern Kenya. The desert is called Didgadgalu. If you go to that place, you wouldn't see any trees, any grass, nothing grows. It's dead. It's only sand. And the Lord showed me and asked me a question if a cabbage can grow in the desert of northern Kenya. When I first saw that, I thought I was dreaming. So I started walking around while I was still fasting and praying. I went back to, to prayers, and the Lord brought the vision again and asked me the same question. Would a cabbage grow in this desert? 
that point, the Lord brought the scripture in Isaiah 43. And he spoke to my life and said, forget the former things. Behold, I'm going to do new things. He said, I'm going to cause the cabbage to grow in the desert. This is what I'm going to do. I will cause the rivers to flow in the desert. And that river will cause the cabbage to grow. While praying, he again spoke to me through the vision, the Bible of the, the pot and the clay. I saw in the vision the hands making the clay, the clay mud in the potter's hand. And God told me, you are the clay. I am the pot and you are the clay. I will make you. That day when I was leaving that place of prayer, I knew that God has called me, and I didn't know exactly what the, the, the desert was, the cabbage was. The Lord opened my eyes to see that in the same desert in northern Kenya lived the 22 unrich people groups in Kenya. When we talk of 22 unrich people groups, unrich people groups are people groups where... In, in, uh, specifically in Kenya, we have less than 2% of Christians. Actually, in my own area, most of the tribes, we have less than 0.2% of Christians in total population. And so God was telling me that I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you back to that place. I didn't know what, how to do, where to begin from. I obeyed the Lord. And I went to the same town after many years, the same town where I accepted the Lord, being a Muslim. And in that place, I started the first church with two believers. And later on, out of that, the same church, we sent the first 18 missionaries to the local tribes in the area. God can use anyone. My text today is from John chapter 15. I'm not going to read the details, but there's so many things that the Lord has been speaking to me, and I'll be sharing with you some of those few stories about bearing fruits for God's kingdom. When I look at the Bible, I realize that our God is God who expects fruits. When I came first to the church, my first day, you know, coming from a Muslim family, Muslim background, and going to the church. I remember my first day in the church. I sat at the back. In the mosque, you can't go to the, to the mosque with your shoes. So I, I left my shoes outside. I went into the church. I've never seen men and women together sitting in, in the mosque. So for me, it was a strange place. But later on in the years, as I was growing in the church, somehow I got disappointed. Because what I expected was not what I saw in the church. But even so, I realized, I kept on asking myself a question, why did God call me from this religion? What does he want me to do? Why, did we, why, why does he, do I have to leave my, my, my family? Why did I accept to be thrown out? And that's the time that this scripture started becoming so much alive in my life. There's so many times we've been threatened. Many, many people in our ministry were killed. 
Recently, last year, we lost one of our great missionaries. His name is Abdi. I was with Abdi a few months before he died, before he was shot dead in one of the streets in eastern Kenya. And while we were talking with Abdi during our training, I asked him, Abdi, where you are is so dangerous. Don't you think that you should move to other places? And Abdi said this, if I will leave this place and go, then who will reproduce fruits for the Lord in my place, in this town? Because the Lord has so many people in this place. And so, uh, this, my scriptures today is, God would want us to bear fruits. Because the kingdom of God is about bearing fruits. When I see the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, sorry, chapter 1, verse 28, it begins by God blessing Adam and Eve. And God's command to them was, bear fruits. God expected fruits. And so from us as believers, God would expect fruits. When I started our ministries, one thing I knew, although I didn't add anything, because I didn't add a supporting church, I didn't add a denomination, I didn't even know many things. All I knew was he had called me and I am responding by faith. So when I went up to Moyale, which is almost three days by truck from Nairobi, I had nothing in my hands. And I said, he's calling me and all he wants me to do is to respond by faith. So I went up to Moyale, I stayed in this family's house, and as we were planting the church, I would see Muslims coming. Our first church was in a house, and people realized that Christians for the first time were meeting in this town. And so as the numbers were increasing, like early church, you could read that in the book in Acts chapter 2, the Muslims started noticing what God was doing in the city. But you see, we can't win people's heart by being aggressive. I know they persecuted me. I know I didn't like them. But one thing God reminded me is, my love is able to win these people into the kingdom. And so we had a slogan, love God, love people, make disciples. If we have to reproduce, if you have to bear fruits for God's kingdom, we have to love God because it's the command. We have to love the people, the neighbors, where God placed us. And we have to also as well make disciples. And so as we were planting the church, I remember our first church was after the house church, where the house we were meeting was, became so small for us. And then we put a plastic, it's a small place, um, with, with plastic bags and, and we didn't have seats so we, we took the rocks and we were sitting on the rocks and then the Muslim noticed they, they, every Friday they would come and burn them they would hurt people would have so many people being taken to the hospital but yet the kingdom of God continued to increase as we continue to love them because people would see the love of God in our lives and I want to thank God today as I even stand here, that church among the Muslims became the largest church in the northern Kenya that is still sending 
indigenous missionaries to so many tribes. Lifeway Mission was born out of that church. After a few years, I felt the Lord was calling me for a broader assignment. And, 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 part, of, and, and part of bearing fruits, what I learned was this, that to, for us to bear fruits, just coming from the stories of what God was teaching us, is the miracles of multiplication of churches. And uh, when we look at the words from Jesus, he said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruits. And then he says in verse 3, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. For us to accomplish the Great Commission, one thing I learned is we need to trust the Lord. We need to trust the Lord. It is only Him who can do things. I remember going to, the, to, the, to my family. My dad, my dad didn't like me. The last day I was home, he called all the people. He called my, 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 my sisters, my brothers, and my dad denied me in front of everyone. He said, you will never, I will never want to see you in this family. But I remember after a few years, when I went back home, because my dad was watching my life, and he saw the fruits, he was able to welcome me back again. And today, among the Muslims, my whole family came to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are believers today. And it's not only that. God used my family, and in the same community, today we have 26 churches planted in the whole of my own town. And this is a result of fruitfulness. As we trusted the Lord, as we kept on praying and loving our neighbors, we started seeing great things. Somebody said Samuel Zwema so many years ago. Some of you may have read about him. He was a missionary to the Muslim world. He went to the uh, Middle East. He started preaching the gospel. And no one came to the Lord. In 1923, Samuel Zuema was invited in Keswick, England, to give a speech. He said, missionary among the Muslim is like fishing the whole night and catching nothing. But he said, time is coming. He said, time is coming when we will catch Muslims. Almost, you know, where the net will almost break. Samuel Zuema died without seeing so many Muslim, Muslims coming to the Lord. But I can report to you today, in our own ministry, in the last eight years, we've seen over 17,000 Muslims coming to the Lord. And that is an amazing because it is in the same area where persecutions were happening and God was bringing the Muslims to himself. How did that happen? When we go out for missions and when we train our people, all we tell them is bear fruit for God's kingdom. Trust the Lord because God can use anyone. If God used me, if God took me all the way from northern Kenya, even in Kenya, people would call my place the third 
the fourth world country. To get to Nairobi, it would take me almost four days on a truck. It's a place where it's, it's being neglected by Kenyan government, marginalized. People in northern Kenya will not be considered for anything in Kenya. And yet God would raise us as leaders, as missions, to even reach other places. By God's grace today, Lifeway Mission that came out of the initiative of God growing the cabbage in the desert of northern Kenya, we are working in 10 countries in eastern Horn of Africa. And we are going to the tribes and to the places where people don't want to go. You would find our teams in Pakistan. You would find our teams in Somalia. You would find our teams in Rwanda, in Kenya, in all over the place among the 300 and rich people groups of this region. It all happens when men and women trust God. We can trust God. Maybe God has not called you to go across the ocean. We can only be one thing. We are either missionaries or mission field. You can't be the, the other. All believers are missionaries. God may not send you to the northern Kenya where I come from, but God may send you to your neighbors. You can be God's missionary to your neighbors. How are we going to do this? We can bear fruits by unleashing compassion. And that's what Jesus exactly did. When we read in the book of Matthew, the Bible says that he was walking around preaching and healing. Then the Bible says he saw. And when he saw the people, he was moved with compassion. You see, compassion is not like feeling sorry for people. When you are moved with compassion, you are compelled to do something. God moves your heart at least to respond. And, uh, and, and, and when compassion is unleashed, souls will come to Christ. Praise the Lord. They will come to Christ. I have seen so many times. It doesn't matter whether, 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 whether you know how to speak or you don't know how to speak, whether you went to seminary or you didn't go to seminary. When you are moved with compassion and you just do something, you will see the Lord bringing people to himself. I remember going to this village. God, the Lord spoke to me to go to a town in northern Kenya. And I didn't know anybody. For several months, the Lord kept on putting this place in my heart. So I decided one morning, I'll jump on a truck and I will travel. And I told the Lord, I don't know anybody. But since you spoke to me, since you called me to go to that village, I will obey. So I went by the truck. We went for the, the first day. The second day, we stopped somewhere to have food. And then while I was getting into the little restaurant, I met somebody whom I have not met for so many years. I was with him in high school. So we greeted each other, and he told me, I am coming from the same place. He told me I'm coming from Walda, the same place where the Lord sent me. I asked me, what do you do? I am a policeman. Remember, I don't, I don't know anybody there. I don't, I, it's a Muslim place. I don't know what I will do. The Lord just told me, go there. So I responded. Of course, as a human being, I had a lot of fear. But since it was the Lord, and he has been speaking to me, 
I responded by faith and went. And so this guy told me, I am a policeman in that place. You go, to, when you reach that town, you go to the police station, talk to the inspector. He will give you the keys to my house. There is food inside. There is everything inside that house for you. Go. And I realized, even before I go for mission, before I go out to bear fruits for him, the Lord has prepared everything. And that's what we read in Luke 10. If you read in Matthew 10, especially Luke 10 verse 1, Jesus said, go to the places that I am about to go. We do not take the Lord with us. He's already there in the field. He prepares everything. So as I went to that town, I came, it was on a Friday, uh, on a Thursday. I slept the night, I ate the food, and then I didn't know what to do. And then at the back of the station, there was a Muslim school, and I would hear the, 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 the children singing the Muslim song. And the Lord told me, sing this song. Great is thy faithfulness. Even up to today, I don't know the whole song. All I sang walking around, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. In the afternoon hours, I, I went across the street. I met Roba, and the movement among the Borana people started by one man. And when Roba died in 2005, there were already over 36 churches in that community. And if we just do something, God will accomplish. And so, my friends, I want to encourage you today. God's work done in God's way will not lack God's provision. But many times, we hold ourselves back. So I want to encourage you. As the Lord has called us to bear fruits, unleash compassion. There is power in that. You can change so many people's life. Secondly, what I learned in our ministry is that God expects fruit from each and every one of us. You see, when you look at in, 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 in John chapter 15, we read the word uh, of God. Jesus saying, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. And he says, every branch in me. He expects every branch in him to bear fruits for him. To bear fruits for the kingdom. And uh, bearing fruits for the kingdom is easy. It's just to stay in the vine. It's automatic. If we are in the Lord, he will cause the, the fruits to come, to come forth. Let me just share with you one more story. About three years ago, there was this woman who came to my training. I was doing a church planting movement training, and a woman came to visit somebody who was in the training. She was sitting at the back of the training, and she asked me if she would listen to what I was training so that she would talk to the person she wanted to see. I said, it's fine. So after sitting there for 20 minutes, and it was break time, she asked me, am I allowed to go and do those things? I said, sure. So the woman only learned three things. And then she went home to her community, and she did those three things. This woman cannot read and write. 
She has never been to school. But she would memorize those three things. And so after she went, obeyed, and did those three things, a church was born in her house. And then she sent a message to her. She said, I did those things, and now there are, there's a group meeting in my house. Can you people do, come and do something? What do I need to do? He said, well, we are not coming to do anything. We want you to come and learn so that we will, we will, we will teach you what to do next. So when we talk about bearing fruit, each one of us, there are areas in our lives that God wants us to bear fruit. Some of us has to work with women. Some has to work with children. Some has to work with the street people. Some has to work with maybe uh, take people from prostitution or other things. God wants us to bear fruit for him. Now, in bearing fruits, one of the other things that I learned, the role of a believer is to depend on God for what he can do. I'll again share the story from our ministries. And uh, Lifeway Mission started as one-man missionary. I, it was me going all over the place. But all over the, you know, for the last few years, now this, this year we'll be celebrating our 15th year. And when I look back, what God has done, somebody asked me the other day, how much is your budget? And I said, maybe I can even make budget, but I don't know where to raise that money. Because we are indigenous people. We work among the least rich and rich people groups. And I realized in the last eight years, we have over 76,175 new, new disciples made, 2,346 churches planted, 18,564 Muslims came to the Lord, and we've trained over 2,346 new church planters. These are all what God can do. And so, my friends, I want to encourage all of you. I am here not just to speak a good sermon. Why I'm here is to tell you the story of God's faithfulness. If God used me, God can use anyone. He can use anyone. Because if we understand the Great Commission, my last point I want to say is understanding the Great Commission. If we, have to if we have to bear fruits for God's kingdom, we have to understand the primary goal of Great Commission. I understood when I came to the church, my goal was not only to go to heaven. I'm not preaching to people to, to dare to go to heaven. Yes, our final home is heaven. But I am preaching to people so that we will accomplish the mission that was left behind by the Lord Jesus Christ. So that if after that, we will go to heaven. Heaven is home. We don't need to worry about going to heaven. As long as we are in Christ Jesus, heaven will be our home. But friends, we have businesses to do before we go to heaven. God has called the church to continue the work of the kingdom of God. You know, when I look at the statistic, I involve in missions a lot. 
eye consultant missions. We have over 4,000 and rich people groups right now in the world. There are places and there are people groups that has never heard about Jesus Christ even a single day. People say Kenya is a Christian country. I just came back from Samburu people group, which is northeastern Kenya. I went to a place where people have never heard about Jesus Christ even a day. And yet Jesus says, in Matthew 24, verse 14, the scripture says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations as a testimony to the whole world. Then the end shall come. God wants us to preach this gospel to the nation. And I believe Christ Community Church is here to do that. God has called you folks so that you will continue Jesus' mission. Mine is as well appreciation to this church. Because when you understand the, the, the great commission, as we read from verse 7 to 11, you see the Bible says, the Father is glorified. Heaven is going to be an exciting place. I'll be excited to see you guys in heaven. But at the same time, we will be excited to see people groups in heaven. You know, we work among people groups who do not wear clothes. People groups like the guy you saw writing, I think, in one of the pictures. Those are our church planters among the Murans of the Samburu people groups. All those people will be in front of Jesus. But today, God wants us to give them opportunity. And so through our ministry, Father will be glorified. God wants us to make disciples and not converts. Many people around the world are interested to see how many hands are raised. You see, Jesus did not come to make converts. He didn't come even to start a denomination or a religion. Jesus did not come to start that. Jesus came so that souls will come to him and the process of doing that is to make them disciples for you. Of course, we made religion out of that. We made denomination out of that. But I want to tell you this. Jesus came to save the lost. That's what he died for. And so, uh, when we unleash compassion, those souls will come to Christ. Praise the Lord. And, and, and it's so important. This is what I told my team when we were looking uh, at what God was doing in the last five years. When we dream God's dream, He will fulfill our dreams. We all have our dreams. Many people want to pursue their dreams. I realized when we dream His dream, He will fulfill His dream in our lives. Even He will fulfill our dreams. And so I want to say thank you so much as we unleash compassion, as we bear fruit for his kingdom, remember he's expecting you to be fruitful. There's so many ways we can be fruitful. Loving your neighbors, sending teams, praying for teams, going to the people. That way we will be able to accomplish what he called us to be doing in the church. May God bless you so much. May God make you to be fruitful. 
May the nations of the world come to Christ through you. Greeley is an amazing city. You don't need to go to Somalia. You just need to go across the street from here. They are here in your, in your cities. Just unleash compassion. They will come to Christ. I remember the, after so many years of my ministry, I never met Francis again, the guy who led me to the Lord. Many years later on, the World Vision invited me to speak in a mission conference. And there are so many people, teachers, so many people in that mission conference. And I was giving my testimony. And Francis was in that meeting. He jumped up and said, yes, that teacher is me. Francis never left northern Kenya. Today I travel around the world to share the same story. But how can I be able to, to, to lead so many other people to Christ if Francis would not come to the bedside where I was dying without hope? How many people will die today without hope? Sometimes they only have one chance to hear the gospel. Just one chance. People have not denied Jesus. They may, they may not like our religion, Christianity. They may not like the way we do church. But let me tell you, a Muslim soul is seeking for an answer. Don't be deceived when you see the veils. There's a crying soul under those veils. When I saw my sisters, my cousins, taking off the veils and lifting up their hands and coming to Jesus, I knew that there's so many people who are being stopped from coming to Jesus because we will not go to them. I pray that you will be the hands, the feet of Jesus Christ. Let's pray if you can join me in this prayer. Lord, I'm just here to share my testimonies. Stories of the things that you've done in our lives. Lord, I even don't know how to share it. But thank you for this opportunity, for bringing me here. So many women and men listening to me tonight. But God, they're listening to you. Lord, you know what to do with our lives. One thing I know you expect from, from, fruit from us. When you called Jeremiah, he looked at himself and said, I'm too little. 
So many of us who can look at ourselves and say, yes, I can't be that, I can't do that. I am that person, Lord. But thank you because you call nobodies and use them. Lord, as by faith we obey you, as by faith we follow you, as we respond to you, you will cause us to bear fruits. I am praying for this church. I'm praying for these men and women that they will be able to unleash compassion. This world is dying. Lord, I'm praying for the blessing of Great Commission. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you for giving me opportunity to come and share your stories. In Jesus' name.